2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tonight. Just two verses. But two very key verses in the Bible. In fact, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 is one of the great 3.16s in the Bible. Did you know that there's many great 3.16s in the Bible? And this is one of the 3.16s that is just really key in the Bible. And uh, the reason why Paul comes to this point in talking about the Scripture is, remember, we're talking here in this letter about perseverance and endurance And just what we sang about is what Paul's going to talk to us about in just a moment as far as the Scripture. It is the very breath of God. And Timothy needed to make sure that he was getting a second wind by continuing to immerse himself in the Scriptures and pay close attention to the Scriptures. They would give him what he needed. And then as the pastor, he would be able to give his people what they needed to continue to persevere and endure. So that's the connection here. But before we get to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, let me share a few other thoughts with you by way of introduction. When we come to talk about the Bible, okay, um, it, it's good to, to talk about what did Jesus think about the Bible? What was his view of the Bible? How did he value, if you will, the Scriptures? And I just want to share a, a few things with you that Jesus said or did to show us how he viewed the Scriptures, how he valued the Word of God. Let's first go to the uh, Gospels and let's be reminded about how Jesus dealt with the temptation from Satan. When Satan came to tempt him, Jesus always went back to the what? The Scriptures. He said every time to the devil, it is written. It is written. It is written. Every time he was tempted, Jesus went back to the Scriptures to answer the devil. Okay? Then later on in the Gospels, there was this dispute. And these people came to Jesus with their dispute. And Jesus' response to them was this. You err not knowing the Scriptures. You are in error because you don't know the Scriptures. You're dealing with this in the wrong way because you don't know the Scriptures. Then, after Jesus rose from the dead... In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, he meets meets these disciples of his along the road to Emmaus. And they're obviously very distraught and in despair and discouraged because to them, no matter how much he predicted that he would rise from the dead, they think he's dead. And they're pretty hopeless at this point. They think it's over. And Jesus comes alongside of them and He shares this with them. He says, O foolish ones, you are slow of heart to believe all that the Scriptures say about me. And then the Bible says that he took them to the Scriptures and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he expounded to these disciples all that the Scriptures said about him. So you can see over and over again in the life of Jesus, where did he go? He went to the Scriptures. Let's go a little bit further. 
As he was being tempted, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 4, here was Jesus' first response to Satan. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. Again, we see the value that Jesus placed on the Scriptures. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4. 4. Then if you go a little bit further into the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 18, here's what Jesus says. He says, I am telling you this truth, that heaven and earth will pass away, but not, not one of the smallest letters In fact, not even the stroke of a letter contained in the Scriptures will pass until all is fulfilled. That's again what Jesus thinks of the Scriptures. And then in Matthew 24, 35, a very familiar verse, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's just some of what Jesus thought of the Scriptures. Now let me also share this. I'm not going to get into a whole talk about this tonight, but it is an important subject, and one that I know many of you are interested in digging into a little bit more, and I'm hoping that maybe when we get into the new building and we do some classes, that I can even do a class or so on why we believe that the Bible is the Word of God and what separates it from other things. But let me just briefly say this. In contrast to, let's say, uh, Mormonism or the religion of Islam, you have one individual, one human being, whether it be Mohammed or Joseph Smith, who claim to receive by themselves, nobody else around, revelation from God, and that all of these religions are based on this one man's, one man's experience. An experience that cannot be verified, uh, an experience that cannot be tested in any way. It's just, you got to take their word for it, right? No checks and balances at all. When God revealed Himself to men, He did it over many, many centuries. Not just a one and done. And He revealed Himself through many, many different people and spoke through them. So that it wasn't just one person communicating God's mind. It was many, many people who communicated God's mind. Yes, 66 books make up the Bible. And there are many, many different human authors of these books, but there's only really one author, God, behind it all. But the reason why it's actually important that there were multiple human authors over a large time is because that is a way to verify and test what was given. You see... God gave it in history, and history is verifiable. History can be tested. All the things that happen can go back, and you can go, well, that actually did happen. We, we can see where that happened. And the fact that all of these different people who lived at different times can have one continuous message that has a continuity to it, the only explanation to that is something supernatural. 
Because there's no way you could go back thousands of years, beginning with Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, all the way up through the last book of the New Testament, John, that was written probably about 90 A.D., and somehow get a continuity there, unless the only explanation is God oversaw the whole thing. And He didn't just speak through one person, and that one person was just their ideas that could never be tested or verified like other world religions are built on. No, Christianity was based on a large swath over a long period of history with many multiple authors, many different manuscripts that could go back and you could look and go, this can be verified. And that's why I tell people, that's why the book that you hold in your hand tonight, I believe with all confidence you can say, this is the Word of God. You see. Plus, the same God that if we believe He created the universe out of nothing, do we not believe that that same God can superintend and and oversee the transmission of His Word to where Man gets exactly what God wants him to get because God's going to make sure of that. If God can make sure that the universe that he created is in such a way that the earth that he created man on has all the exact elements in just the right uh, amount to sustain life. I mean, when you think about that, if we had a little bit more oxygen in our, in our environment than what we do, we couldn't survive. We had a little bit more nitrogen. If the, if the axis of the earth was tilted just a degree this way or that way, we couldn't survive. If the moon was a little bit closer, a little bit further away, we would either have worldwide floods every day or whatever. I mean, it's amazing, again, what God did in creation. And if God can do that in creation, He can do that with His Word as well. So tonight, we come to 2 Timothy 3.16, and we see there where Paul says... Every scripture is inspired by God and it is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. I see four things in these two verses tonight that I want to share with you. The first glory of the scriptures, it is that Paul says it is the very breath of God. Paul says the scriptures, every one of them, all of them, not just parts of them, each and every part of scripture has been inspired by God. It is the Greek word theopneustos. It's just a big word. It just simply means God breathed out the scriptures. And here's another thing. It speaks of God exhaling, not inhaling. It means that this is God's voice. He exhaled and spoke His Word out to us. You also notice something else. The Bible does not teach that the people who wrote down the Word of God was inspired. It doesn't say that. The people that wrote the Bible was not inspired. The Scripture itself was inspired. Yes, Peter says, holy men of God were carried along by the Holy Spirit as God spoke but they weren't inspired in that way. The Scripture is inspired. Every Scripture is inspired. Every word, every jot, Jesus said, every tittle, every accent mark has been breathed out by God. It is the very breath of God. And this is why it is so glorious. 
Because when you begin to think about breath, you know, you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 131, where God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And the Bible says in verse 31 of chapter 1, He breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. God's breath produced life and, and, and animated this man and caused him to be able to, to live and move and do. And God is saying with His Word, that same thing is true with my Word. You want me to breathe life into you? You want energy? You want to be able to do? Then let my word breathe on you. Let my breath come into your life and let it animate you and energize you and encourage you. The very breath of God. You know, when we think about breath too, we think about presence. The presence of God. Because though this would creep us out depending on who it is, if, if you can feel somebody's breath on you, you know they're pretty close, right? If you can literally feel them breathing on you, it speaks about closeness. And God is saying to us, if you will allow my scriptures to breathe on you, it will also remind you of my presence, that I am with you, that I am close with you. It is my very breath breathing on you. It is my voice. I am speaking to you through my word. If we want to hear the voice of God, then we have to listen to the scriptures. They are the very breath of God. They have been breathed out by God and spoken. So, one of the glorious things about the scriptures is that it is the very breath of God. But secondly, because it is the very breath of God, it is absolutely vital then to our life. It is absolutely vital to our life. Paul says it this way, the scripture, because it is inspired, is useful, beneficial, profitable. Can't really live without it. In fact, for the Christian... No Christian can grow, be effective, and all that without a good relationship with the Bible. What's Peter say? As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you might grow by it. A Christian that is not connected with the Word of God cannot grow apart from the Word. You see. It's useful. It is our very life. And then Paul says... It will do four things. And I'm going to really make this simple. And I, I did it for myself years ago. So I like to make the Bible simple so that I can understand it. And then I share it. And then hopefully it, it makes even more sense to you. But those words that Paul uses, teaching, reproof, correction, and training, I, wanna, I want you to think of them in this way. Because they all really tie together. The first word, teaching, speaks about the Bible gives us the right path to walk on in life. It teaches us the right way, if you will. Uh, think of uh, Matthew 7, 13, 14, where Jesus says, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there go that way. But, but the road that leads to life is narrow and difficult and few find it. 
The, the, the word teaching speaks about that, that narrow path, that, that way of God, the, the way that we walk with God and talk with God and fellowship with Him and stay in close connection with Him. Think of that when you think of the word teaching. It shows us the path to walk on. In the Psalms, the Bible many times talks about the Word of God giving us the way, you know. Psalm 1, and then Psalm 119, 105, your word is a light unto my path, a, a lamp unto my feet, so that I can see the way you want me to walk. Teaching, okay? But the word reproof, the next word, speaks about if I get off of the right path, and I'm now on a wrong path, I've wandered off the right path, the word reproof is the way the scripture goes, whoa, Jeff, <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Think about it like out here in Phoenix with all these wrong way drivers that get on the highway and the signs that say, wrong way, you're going the wrong way. Think of that when you think of the word reproof. God also not only builds into his word a, a, a way to show us the way, the path that he wants us to walk, but then he also builds into his word these reproofs so that if we get off that way and we start going the wrong way, we understand we're going the wrong way because his word tells us wrong way. Don't keep going down that path. You're going the wrong way. Now, again, that's cool, too. But I love the next word correction. Because just like any of us, if we've ever driven our car and we've gotten lost, it's one thing to know you're lost. It's another thing to know what road do I need to take to get back to the way I want to go. And that's the word correction. If, if the word reproof tells me I'm off on the wrong road, then the word correction that God's word will do helps me get back to the right road. It takes me back to the way I need to go. And that's what the word correction will do. Again, it does me no good to know I'm lost if I'm out there driving somewhere and I've taken a wrong turn. I've got to know not only that I'm lost, I've got to know how do I get back to where I want to go. That's correction. And that's another thing that the word, another aspect of the word that the scriptures will do. And then the word training It's simply a word that tells us that once I get back on that right path again, that right road again, this is, the, this is the word that keeps me going on the right road for a long time. You see. So, it tells me the right path. Tells me when I get off the right path. Tells me how to get back on the right path. And tells me how to stay on the right path. That's what those four words mean in connection with this. And that's why it's vital to my life. I don't know what path to take. God's word will tell me. I might not know that I've gotten off the right path. God's word will tell me. How do I get back on the right path? God's word will tell me. How do I stay on that right path? God's word, the scriptures will tell me. So it's the very breath of God. It is vital to my life. The third thing we see in these verses is this. It equips us and outfits us to help others. It equips us and outfits us to help others. 
Notice he goes on to say, so that the person dedicated to God, verse 17, may be capable. The word means to be complete, to be be furnished, to, to be supplied, if you will. And equipped. Again, I I like the word outfitted. Think of it if you're going camping. And if you're going to go camping and you're going to be comfortable at all and, and, and navigate that time at all out there in the wilderness or the woods, you need to take certain things. You need to be outfitted. You need to have a tent and your backpack and supplies and food and water and all those things. Well, God is saying that my word will outfit all of you. It will equip, it will supply, it will furnish you. Not just to help yourself in your life, but it will give you the tools in your spiritual toolbox you need to help others. See, God never wants us to think that every time we come to the Word of God, it's just for us. God always wants to remind us that part of the reason why we should be driven to the Word of God is because we understand this is not only going to help me, but it's going to give me the tools in my life to be able to help others. Because he says, we will be capable and equipped for every good work. Good works are the things that we do to benefit and profit and help and encourage other people. How do I know what promises to share with people when I don't know the promises to begin with? How can I comfort people from the Word of God if I don't know the comfort that God's Word gives me? How can I instruct people into the Word of God if I'm not allowing myself to be instructed? How can I encourage people with the Word? How can I refresh them with the Word? How can I share with them a timely verse? I love what Proverbs says. A word fitly spoken. You know, like apples of gold and settings of silver. You know. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I mean, if you and I are going to minister to others, do what Jesus did. Use the Word of God. But I can't use what I don't know. And that's why Paul is saying here, the glory of this is not just that God breathed it and it's His very breath that is vital to our life, but He gives us the equipment, the tools in our spiritual toolbox we need to truly help others and be complete with good works. Maybe even tonight, you're thinking about a person or a verse or something that you could share with somebody. That's what He's talking about here. You and I are more capable and equipped the more we know the Word of God. Many Christians today, if they were honest, would tell you, I feel incapable. I feel ill-equipped in my life to serve the Lord. My encouragement to them, based upon this verse, is get yourself connected to the Word. Because the more you and I immerse ourselves in the breath of God and we let God breathe upon us and fill us with His Word, the more equipped and capable we will become because we will 
begin to know the Word more and grasp it more and then be able to use it more in the lives of others to help and encourage and instruct and admonish and counsel and comfort them with His Word. And then, you'll notice that in verse 17, he says that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for some good work. Every. So the last principle is, it is sufficient. It is sufficient. It is the very breath of God. It is therefore vital to our life. It equips and supplies us with what we need to help others. And it is sufficient. If you and I will allow God to breathe upon us through His Word every day, we are capable and equipped for every good work. The Bible is sufficient. You and I can never stand before God in eternity and go, well, God, if you'd have just supplied me with more resources, I'd have been able to live a more spiritual and, and, and a life of service and ministry. No. I can just see Jesus like he's been with the disciples sometimes in the Gospel of Mark that we're doing on Sunday. He'd just be putting his hand on, oh my goodness. They just don't get it, do they? I gave them my word. If they would have just had faith that this was my word to them, this was my voice speaking to them, and that they would as much as possible, meditate on it, memorize. I mean, isn't that what Psalm 1 says is the secret to a successful and prosperous Christian life? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he does meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, bringing forth its fruit in its season, its leaves will never fall off, and whatever he does or she does will prosper. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. That's what the Word of God says. And you want a passage to go to that sort of reinforces and teaches the sufficiency of Scripture? I'm going to share it with you tonight. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 19 in closing tonight. Psalm 19. By the way, I hope you'll come back next week. We're going to be into chapter 4. And oh my, there's great stuff in chapter 4 too. Can't wait. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going slow through my Bible here. Psalm 19. There it is. Verse 7 is where I'd like to begin. And I'd like to read through verse 11. 7 through 11, Psalm 19. The sufficiency of the Scriptures. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. 
The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. The Lord's precepts are fair and make one joyful. The Lord's commands are pure and give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They are of greater value than gold, than even a great amount of pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, than even the sweetest honey from a honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there, and those who obey them receive a rich reward. Listen, we all know that the Bible teaches that the name of God is something very special. It is something that we are to respect, that we are to revere, that we are to magnify, that we are to elevate the name of God. And even the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are set safely on high. So we know the importance of the name of God. We know that God even said, do not take the Lord's name in vain. We we know all that. But do you know what the Bible says about itself and what God said about his word? He says that I will elevate my word above my name. That's what God thinks of his word. That's how valuable God thinks of his word. I will elevate my word above my own name. See, for because God says, look, and we sang about this tonight, I'm faithful. Every prophecy will not fail. Every promise that I ever gave you, you can count on it. So God puts a lot of emphasis on His Word, and He does it not for His sake, He knows he's trustworthy. He knows he's reliable. He knows he's faithful. He knows he's dependable. He wants to instill in us that we can put our very life, all of our eternity, our soul, everything, we can put it on the Word of God and know that everything that God promised us, everything that He said, it will come to pass just as God said because His Word will never fail. His Word will never fail. So tonight... I want you to think for yourself and apply this in a very personal way. What promise tonight from God? What word of God tonight? What what breath of God tonight does He want to breathe into your life tonight to reassure you, to give you faith, to give you assurance, to, to encourage you, to refresh you? What does God want to do from His Word into your life tonight? And and that you will Grab a hold of that and lay a hold of that knowing that whatever God has said, it's true. It's true. I can count on it because His Word is faithful because the one who promised it is faithful. The glory of the Scriptures. Every Scripture is inspired by God. It is useful for teaching 
for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. Let's be men and women of the Word of God. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word. The very breath of God. The same breath that breathed creation into existence. The same breath that that made Adam and Eve living souls is the same breath, if you will, of God that you breathe into your word, the Scriptures. It is the same word, God, that gives us life, if you will, spiritual life. It's the same word that gives us comfort when we need it. It's the same word that gives us encouragement and correction and admonishment and counsel. It is absolutely sufficient for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, for these folks who are here tonight and so many more, God, that really, truly want to be men and women of the book. They want to grow in their understanding and comprehension and knowledge of your word, not just for themselves, but so that they can be better equipped and even more capable to be used to minister into the lives of others. To be able to share pertinent and relevant and timely verses and principles and precepts of your word so that others may be ministered to as well. And so God, I pray that you would bless their investment in your word tonight. And continue to encourage them as they make time to spend in your word. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Sunday or next Wednesday.